Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox concludes Vision Month with Rally Sunday. So this week, this this month, I love Johanna's shirt. That was the kids' shirts that have that on the front. Don't y'all like the kids' shirts too? I want those made in adults too because I like this on the front, which is awesome. But it ain't over. We ain't done. Knox Burning. That's our vision, our mission for the last few months of this year. It's not over. We're not done. We still believe we're going to see Knoxville burning. We're raising the bar of expectation. 20 out of 20, not 10 out of 10. We believe if we have a 20 expectation, God will meet us at the place of our expectation. It's the word of the Lord at the beginning of this year, and I believe that it's still true no matter what it looks like. I want us to go to Exodus today as we are coming to the conclusion of this. In preparing this week, man, what do we talk about to rally? What do we talk about to get ready? And um, I just went back to this passage in Exodus 14 where God leads the Israelites through the Red Sea. We're going to have baptism today. If you signed up for Remind, you got that information. Um, And so several people have asked to be baptized, and we thought it would be a great day to do it on Rally Sunday. If you did not notify us and you want to be baptized, you can still do that, and that will be awesome this morning. All right, so we're going to go to Exodus 14. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. Pi-haharoth, between Migdal and the sea. You shall camp in front of Belzephon, opposite it, by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, they were wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them, and I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and they did so. I think it's important to note that the Israelites looked lost. The Israelites looked like they were in big trouble, but God was in control of the situation. God was in control of the situation. He had a plan for their good and for his glory to bring them out of their calamity. And so just because things look rough, things look dark, does not mean that God does not have a plan. Verse 5, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done that we have left Israel Let Israel go from serving us. So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him, and he took 600 select chariots. 600 select chariots. That's a lot of chariots. And all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. So he took 600 select chariots, and then he took all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased the, after the sons of Israel 
as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea beside Pehahiroth in front of Bel-Zephon. So Pharaoh's heart was hardened by God. There's times that people in leadership don't do what we want them to do, but God is working on our behalf. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've take us, taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. What a statement. What a statement. In contrast with Mel Gibson in Braveheart, it would be better to live in bondage than to die in freedom. We see the infamous speech in Braveheart when he's riding around with his face painted in front of the troops, and he says, we can run, we can retreat, but years from now, lying on your deathbed, you'll think what I would give to go back and have one day of freedom, whether than all the rest of these years of bondage. So what a statement. Did you bring us out here to die? It would be better if you had left us in Egypt. It would be better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Do you know that Israelites were dying at the hand of the Egyptians? They were given insurmountable tasks and absolutely impossible odds that they were supposed to accomplish and do. They were told to make things without the proper tools and, and supplies to make and it was an absolute impossible situation. It reminds me of trying to find fulfillment in the world. We try to do everything the world tells us to do that they say will be, you'll be successful, you'll make it, we'll reward you, you will accomplish the task, you'll find fulfillment. But how many people know you never find it? You never get there. And we will spend the rest of our lives in bondage trying to find fulfillment trying to be successful in a place of bondage, but I would trade that for one day of freedom, even if it cost me my life. So here they are. It would be better if you'd left us there. But Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will no longer see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. I love that. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. I wish some people would be silent. <laughs> I'm fighting for the Lord while I'm yelling. Be quiet. Let him fight for you while you're silent, please. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch it over. Out, 
stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will be honored through Pharaoh and his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. See, some of the things we question so much, how could God let this be? How could it be God's plan for Pharaoh to chase us? He's going to be honored through Pharaoh. God is not about every little emotion that we feel. He's about us winning. And so he has a plan for us to win. And sometimes we don't understand why God could let it look like we're going to lose when he already knows that we win because he's already won. Where was I? Verse 23, I think. 18, really? Golly. Then the Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord and I'm honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel and there was the cloud along with the darkness yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night long. I think that's awesome. Even when it doesn't look like we want it to look and we're not sure what he's doing, he's still standing between us and what we don't understand. He's still keeping it from affecting us because he's in control and he has the authority to do that. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land so the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched, oh, I just lost my place, huh? 27. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained, but the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. We could put at the end of that for a little while, right? <laughs> and the people believed in the Lord and his servant Moses for a little while till the next little trial came and they wanted to go back to Egypt again. The thing that leapt out to me is we see a people that are running from an army, okay? They're running from bondage, 
And the promise that they're running from bondage to is a land that's full of giants. Okay? So there's this transformation that has to take place in a people that are leaving bondage, running from bondage, fearful of bondage, being chased by an army. They are the retreaters. They are the runners, right? They are the leavers. They're not the aggressors. They're not the ones that are going in and taking over. They're not the challengers. They're the runners. And then by the time they get to the promised land, they have to be the aggressor. They have to be the one that goes in and takes over. So what has to happen in that process? I think it's so amazing. Right before that in Exodus 13, you see that God could have led them a quicker way, but he knew that they weren't ready to face opposition yet. And they would turn back. Isn't that amazing? They weren't ready yet. So when they got to the Red Sea, they were ready, even though they said it would have been better if we'd stayed in Egypt. Isn't that cool? See, the enemy says every time you have a thought that's negative, that means you can't move forward. You can't do what God has you to do. But God did not allow them to face opposition that they weren't ready for. So if they faced the Red Sea, that means they were ready for the Red Sea, even though that's not what they said. So every time you have a thought, a fearful thought that says you can't move forward, don't let the enemy multiply that in your mind and add guilt and shame to that and cause you to think, well, because I have fear, I'm even more unable and incapable of doing it. So they come to this Red Sea, and they want to go back to Egypt, and he takes them through, but they had to bring, go through this wilderness so something about the wilderness changed the retreaters into the aggressors. Something about the wilderness changed them. Something about what they saw in God changed them. Something about their willingness, and I believe the first step in that was their willingness to go into the Red Sea. We're going to have baptism in just a few minutes. And I believe baptism is such a picture of the Israelites going into the Red Sea. Because you go into the water, they were walking into death. Remember, they, man, did you bring us out here to die? That was their mindset at that time. So those people that thought possibly Moses brought them out there to die, follow God into the Red Sea with the water on both sides. You know they had to be thinking, we're going to die. We're possibly going to die. I mean, that's what he brought us. We're just going to die, and that's what's going to happen. And so it's this facing certain death yet moving forward into it, then coming out the other side of it changes you from a retreater to an aggressor. See, we never want to go into the Red Sea, but if you never go into the Red Sea, you don't come out of the Red Sea and you don't know that you're not a grasshopper anymore and you don't know that you can be victorious and drive out the giants from the promised land. So something about this wilderness changed them. We've been talking for months about the state of our nation and this pandemic and all of this stuff, and I genuinely believe it's a wilderness that will transform us into the people that he's called us to be. You know, Matthew 16, 
18, it's when Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father. And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. The gates of hell will not overpower it. We need a body that are the aggressors. It doesn't say Satan and all of his demons won't be able to come to you and overtake you. It says his gates won't be able to withstand you. So when we have the revelation of Jesus, if we have the revelation of our victory, it causes us to be the aggressor. You know, Peter, when it says you are Peter, the word there is Petros, which is a stone. It's like a pebble that you throw. Not to give Peter any disrespect, but I think many times we've said Peter is the rock that the church is built on. That's not true. Peter was a stone. (laughs) A chip off the old block, if you will, because he had that revelation. And he says upon this rock, it's Petra, which is a large rock, a bedrock, a rock that's in, in the earth. And it can't be made, it can't be broken. That same rock is where it says in Matthew 7, 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's Petra, a large rock, the bedrock. So the church is built on the revelation of Christ, the revelation of the resurrection and the life, the resurrection that... He he went into the sea and he came out. And we can go into the sea and we can come out. And we can align ourselves with him. I want to take a little detour this morning. I uh, probably won't get a lot of big amens on this. Especially from some of my friends that are having a good time with this right now. Not wearing a mask is not the new badge that you wear that qualifies you as being part of a remnant. Attending church in the middle of a pandemic does not make you the remnant. I know a few weeks ago I symbolically took off a doctor's coat and said, I'm not a doctor. And I took off a suit coat and said, I'm not a politician. I'm a pastor. And we had taken several weeks off. And I feel like the Lord told me not to take another week off, no matter what happens. That I'm not a doctor. I'm not a politician. I'm a pastor. And he sent me here to pastor people, to be a city set on a hill, a light. And people need that light, so the doors have to stay open. I told you then, this is not some religious yoke or burden that I'm placing on anybody else. We're having church, so if you're spiritual, you should be at church with us. I don't see many masks in here. I wonder how many people want to wear a mask, but they feel intimidated to wear one in here. I would never want it to be that way. I would never want it to be a place where people have to conform to our ideology. You know what that is? 
that's sitting at the temple with a table set up telling people they have to buy a better dove than the dove they have before they can come in. I don't care how many of my friends gloat about badges being the Antichrist, I mean, uh, mass being the Antichrist, and if you don't go to church, you're limp-wristed. If you call off church, you're a limp-wristed pastor. I think that's insanity. I think that's pharisaical. The status of, I just want to talk to people on live stream, the status of our church in this era of this pandemic is not the number of people that come in this building. It's how well we're able to adapt and continue to be a light to people that are in their homes doing what they feel they need to do to protect their families. That's health of the church. You know, I remember when my cousin Lorraine had cancer. She went through chemotherapy. And she kept coming to church. And she wore a mask to church every time she came to church. I don't remember any of us condemning her and calling her fearful because her immune system was compromised and her doctors recommended that she wear a mask and even gloves, I think, at times to keep from being sick. I also don't remember when Lorraine came to church and looked at all of us and told us we must hate her because we didn't put mask on when she came. She evaluated the risk. She took the precautions she felt was necessary, and she joined in fellowship with us. I'm just sick of hate, shame, putting on people. Where I'm going with this, if you remember, before the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, they went in their house and they shut the door. And they hid from the death angel. So yeah, man, at one time they were bold and confident in crossing the Red Sea, move forward. Another time God instructed them to hide in their house and not leave until after it had passed over. We may have some doctors in here. I was going to say nobody's a doctor, but I think we have some doctors in here, but most of us aren't doctors in here. You got all your information off Facebook, and that made you a uh, you slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night, used their free Wi-Fi, read a couple of articles this morning. Now you got to tell everybody else how to live their life. That's fine if you want to do that with your opinion, but when you put God's name behind it, you're a Pharisee. We can all sit around and share our opinions all day, but when I say you're less spiritual if you don't do it the way I think you need to do it, I'm a Pharisee. Unless we got that verse in there about the mask in the Bible, about the hand sanitizer and stuff. 
No. Pharisees questioned Jesus' disciples why they didn't wash their hands when they ate. About the closest it got. Jesus rebuked them because of their attitude. We question why people wash their hands. Some people question why people don't wash their hands. Why don't you hand sanitize enough? Why do you hand sanitize so much? Why don't you wear a mask? Why do you wear a mask? That stuff needs to be nowhere in the church, in my opinion. I want health in our body. I don't just mean physical health. I mean spiritual health. I want us to love. How are they going to know we're disciples by whether we wear a mask or not? No, how much we love people whether they wear a mask or not. How we love one another. How we're joined together. So people at home, we love you. I just thought, you know, we've been in vision month. And it's been exciting. It's been packed out. It's been fun. I love it. There was a lot of excitement when I said we're going to have church, and that's awesome. But I don't want to give way to any self-righteous, religious spirit, pharisaical attitude in our body. I love that you're here. I pe- people feel shame whether if they get a red bracelet. That's crazy. That's the whole reason we have it. I want people to be able to come here. They're not less spiritual because they're taking precautions. There's people with all kinds of reasons to take precautions. And they should be able to do that freely. So think about that, not only in church, but in family and in stores and everywhere you go and everywhere you are. Have your opinion, but please don't attach God's name to it like someone's less spiritual because they disagree with you. You've made a mistake. You've made a mistake. I encourage everybody here this week to reach out to somebody who's not here. I think we need to focus on our family that are in their homes, our family that are uh, taking precautions and don't feel released to leave. Do we honor one another? Do we believe that people love God and hear his voice? It's crazy the thoughts and the mindsets we're having in this time about all kinds of issues, race issues, mask issues. We're making huge assumptions about our brothers and our sisters because of information that we hear from crazy sources. I say we don't let it come in. So if we're going to rally today, I don't want to just rally the people here and just continue to heap mounds of shame on people that aren't here for rally day. If you're at home, I rally you, intercede. Intercede as we move forward. That same protection that you're and precautions you're taking for yourself, will you pray it over us as we move forward? 
even as we may move forward with different convictions than you have, will you pray that God would still cover us even if we don't do it the way you've chose to do it? Would you believe that God could bless us while we're here and bless what we're doing here and that people could be encouraged when they come here? The last thing we need is resentment between the mask wearers and the non-mask wearers, the stay-homers and the attend live churches. That's the last thing we need right now. The last thing we need, we need to be united. We need the body together. We need people at home praying and covering and interceding. And we need people that are out here feeling that they are ones that are willing to go out and feel that God is calling them to continue to move forward, that we would be able to be covered by prayer and do the work of the kingdom that we're doing. We love you, family. I'm proud of you. You know, it takes, a, it takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of discipline to be strict about some of these things right now. You know, what's easier, not wearing a mask or wearing a mask? <laughs> what's easier? I'm a remnant because I do what's easy. Man, we just redefined remnant real quick, didn't we? I'm a remnant because I did not change or adapt or do anything different than I've ever done it. Awesome. What about the people that are still trying to move forward, honor God with their lives, and do it in a way that's safe for their family and their home and their children and their relatives and all those things? They're part of the remnant. They're carrying a different part of it. They're doing a different assignment of it, but they're part of the remnant. So I don't know. I just wanted to flip some tables over today. I feel like Jesus would flip some tables over. I'm so tired of all of this division. I don't expect anybody to be here. When I say we're going to have church and I'm going to be here, I don't expect anybody to be here. I expect you to do what you need to do in this season. I expect you to feel confident. I expect you to feel empowered. I expect you to feel, no matter what decision you make, that your pastor and your church family loves you and supports you wholeheartedly. That's what I expect you to feel. So, that was a nice little detour, wasn't it? <clears throat> We're going to do baptism. Some of you said you need to change clothes. Now's the time. I'm not sure if we got the... Uh, did we get towels? We have some towels. Awesome. We have some towels. So baptism is an amazing uh, expression of our faith. Okay. Um, we're buried with him in the likeness of his death, and we're raised with him in the likeness of his resurrection. What a beautiful picture as the Israelites go into the Red Sea and come out on the other side. They faced death, and they came out with their pursuers destroyed. 
their bondage makers uh, destroyed. And I believe baptism is not only a declaration of our faith, it's not only uh, symbolic and showing we're buried with Christ, I believe it's a prophetic act. I remember I said this one time and somebody came up to me after service and said, you really don't think that that water somehow can wash away um, evil, do you? I mean, it's just water. And I said, absolutely not. Neither can oil take away sickness. But if we pray the prayer of faith and anoint them with oil, the oil changes consistency. And it becomes called into the kingdom to do the work of the kingdom. And so when we go into this water by faith, believing it's like the Red Sea, and we submit ourselves to certain death, we come out of it in new life. And the things that have been chasing us, the same word Moses said, those things that are behind you, you'll never see after this day. I believe total freedom and deliverance can come. I felt like right before I left my house today, the Lord spoke to me and told me to bring three T-shirts. Um, and I forgot. So I sent Paul back to my house. What a great son. And uh, told me to get dark-colored T-shirts. And, you know, this is one of two things. And I'm fine either way. I made it up in my head. That's okay with me. I'm trying. I'm practicing being obedient. Practicing hearing right. Okay? We got to quit being so afraid to practice hearing right. But I felt like I was supposed to bring three shirts. Paul actually brought four. He's, he's always the evangelist. <laughs> he always likes to be a little overprepared, you know, that sent him to buy a $400 guitar. He comes back with an $800 car. He's, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Funniest thing the other day, he said, hey, you know what? We don't play that guitar we bought anymore. Can we sell it? I'm like, that's great. But I, I felt like when we came to this point in the service that the Lord was going to speak to people that needed to be baptized, that it was never on their horizon they may have got the text. They may not have. They may have heard we were having a baptism and been like, okay, I've been baptized. I was baptized when I was seven. No big deal. But I don't know. I feel like I was supposed to bring shirts. I feel like that is a hindrance. Somebody, I, I feel like the enemy was going to say, you can't be baptized because you don't have a shirt. So I brought shirts. So if you want to be baptized today and you feel like you can't because you don't have a shirt, just come get a shirt. They're extra large, so um, that's all I got. I can't fit in any other size, or I bring other ones. All right, are we ready? Are you ready? Anybody ready yet? All right, awesome. Come on up. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.